to the February edition of The Attic Sessions. Um, thrilled today to have in the attic Siobhan Parkinson. Um, she is a writer for pretty much all ages. She writes from uh, books for kids aged four. She writes adult books and pretty much everywhere in between. Um, you're absolutely welcome here, Siobhan. Thanks, thanks for Thank coming. Thank you, Nessa. I'm delighted to be here. We're Thank thrilled. You. We're thrilled. Um, and I was just wondering about that fact that you do sort of write for pretty much every age. Do you compartmentalise or how, how do you? Well, you, if you look at my, at my, I hate to use the word oeuvre. No, when you look at my set of books, you can say that, yes, I write for four year olds and I write for adults. But yeah. actually, in truth, most of my of my work tends to settle around the 10 to 14 kind of age group. So. Even though I've done younger and I've done adult, um, I somehow keep returning to that yeah. 10, 11, 12 kind of age group. It seems to be my natural home as a writer, but I like to spread my wings as well. So when you were that age, who yeah. were you reading? Uh, hmm, I suppose I was reading a lot of the classics, um, Little Women, for example, and um, Inez, but... Uh, What am I trying to think? What did he? Oh yes, uh, the story of the treasure seekers. Um, that was what a big favourite of mine at the, when I was that age. And were you reading and thinking and I could I could do that better, or I could tell it a different way, mm. or? Well, it, actually, it was Little Women that got me thinking about the idea of being a writer, yeah. because Joe, of course, is the main the writer, character, yeah. and she's the writer. And I didn't. I remember the sensation when I read that book. Um, with all its flaws and its sentimentalities and all the rest of it, but it is still a fantastic read. Um, I remember when I first met Jo, so to speak, in that book, I didn't think I could be like her. Mm. I actually thought, I am like her. Mm. She, you know, and that was the, that was somehow better. It was, a it, was, it, was, it was as if that book was identifying something in myself that I, hadn't identified before. And were you writing stories down at this point? I, I was a bit, yeah. but I was just kind of poking at it and playing yeah. at it. And then it, this was the first time I was aware that you could do this and you could make this, this could be your life. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it did become an ambition of mine. It now went it underground for a very long yeah, time. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> you, you began to publish in the early 90s. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. How did that come about? I was, I was into my 30s by then. Well, yeah. I suppose I had, uh, I'd always cherished this ambition, as many people do. But I was also very shy about it. I was very um, protective of myself and I just didn't feel able to do it. Mm -hmm. And in a way, I suppose, because I started writing for children, in a way that also gave me a role that I could take on. I didn't have to be myself. So, no, so I was myself, but I didn't. I could kind of not play writing for children, but I could. It could be a thing I could do, almost like a mask. So, like do, do you think children's writers put on persona? No, I'm sure they don't any more than any other any than any other kind yeah. of writer. But for me, somehow, yeah. it gave me a kind of permission. Yeah. Um, a kind of permission to write. Uh, that somehow protected me. I don't know why that is. It was just an emotional reaction to it, I suppose. Yeah. 
And and the first, what was the first book that you presented for publication? Well, Shining in the Spring, which was a story about a stillbirth, and which I wrote for my own son, and was based on a personal experience. And I um, I gave it to a Bryant Press just for an opinion. I didn't really expect them to publish it. Mm -hmm. Um, because it is a book that's going to have a very small audience, fortunately. Um, but they liked it, but they said it would be very difficult for them to publish it because I was unknown mm -hmm. as a writer. And they said, why don't you write a bit more? And then we might think about publishing that book. And that is what happened. Okay. So I went on and I to publish some other books for children. So um, what was the first that they actually published? Uh, they published a pair of books together, which were called... In fact, it was their idea. It was a, it was a gap they had seen. And they wanted stories about children from the country coming to Dublin and children from Dublin going to the country. They wanted to have, they wanted to address this Dublin country. Divide. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I took that on and it was, uh, and they're funny, they're funny books. They were called The Country Adventure, The Dublin Adventure, which are terrible titles. But in fact, recently, not recently, no, gosh, not recently at all, but many years later, would it like that? Uh, those two books were republished under much better titles. Um, they were called Cows Are Vegetarians, which was The Country Adventure, and Animals Don't Have Ghosts, which was The, um, the Dublin Adventure. And they weren't just republished, uh, they were, I mean, they weren't just new editions, mm. I actually did rewrite them. Mm, mm -hmm. um, I think they were originally written in the third person, in the third per and then in the first, or maybe it was the other way around, I can't remember now. I think, yes, yeah. I think that's what it was. I think okay. they were originally third okay. person. So at what stage did you think, I'm a full-time writer? Oh, um, I had published quite a few books before I decided that I was going to. Oh, I, 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 I know what precipitated it. Um, I had wanted to, to, to write as my main activity for some time. And it would have been the late 90s, around the, around the turn of the millennium. Mm -hmm. um, and my eyesight was giving me trouble. And I had been working in publishing as an editor and having to do a lot of proofreading and close reading of text. And it was becoming really problematic. Mm -hmm. And I was diagnosed with uh, this problem that I have. And I thought, right, whatever eyesight I've got left, I'm not spending it on other people's books. I'm going to spend it on my own books. And anyway, I couldn't, I really couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't sustain um, what I was doing at the time. Um, I mean, I still had the problem and it's still there, but, I've, but I'm now much more able to cope with it because technology has improved yeah. and all kinds of things. But at that time I thought, no, I can't do this anymore. I have to give, I have to give up working. So um, at that point I was offered a residency in Dublin City uh, in the Writers' Centre. And um, I thought, right, this is the point to take the plunge and okay. that would have been 1999 I think. Now at that stage you'd won a couple of awards as well hadn't you I think the yeah. the, the Bisto yeah. uh, in 97 the White Raven in in 95 so you know certainly people were White Raven in 95? Yeah. That? What was that for? Uh, Amelia. Oh. Peace for Amelia. No Peace for Amelia. Oh, right. okay. This is uh, this yeah. is from your from website. My, from my CV. You're from <laughs> your website so it must be true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so 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 clearly there must have been that encouragement as well that you were sort of putting things out. Oh yeah, I was. I mean, yes, I had been writing for some time and I suppose I was recognised as, as a children's writer and yeah. I had won a few things. And yeah. yeah, I had certainly established myself before I did this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but that sort of focus. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that life-changing thing of the eyesight yeah. problem really was the impetus for it yeah. and <coughs> for making the change. You d I, I, I remembered you were using Dragon software at one stage, weren't you? No, I wasn't using that, but I was using something similar. I was using, the Dragon is where you talk to the computer. Yeah. 
I've never really used that much. It's the other way around. A computer talks to me. Oh, okay. Mm. So for s many years, I used a thing called ZoomText, which reads here, which is an excellent program. But it's an excellent program on the PC. It's not so excellent at all on the on the Mac. So I now use Mac, and the Mac is inbuilt, um, has inbuilt software, mm -hmm. but it's not as good as ZoomText. ZoomText is fantastic. Okay. Uh, but anyway, but yeah. the point is that there's lots of um, uh, there's lots of technology now that makes it much easier, and it gets better all the time. Okay. Um, and your I mean, my phone can talk to me, my iPad can talk to me, uh, as well as my my desktop computer. So yeah. And I, I remember because uh, you and I worked uh, for about a year we certainly did. together yeah. uh, when you were Laurie Minogue. It was more than a year, actually, I think. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, it might have felt like that to you, <laughs> but it was, <laughs> I think it was only about a year. Oh, maybe. Um, I came halfway through your, 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 your term and we had amazing experiences. We did. We had some fun. But I think <laughs> a, a couple that, that we were sort of remembering before we started chatting for the interview were around working in the context of you going into to scenarios where there were children with, with visual yes. disabilities or other yeah. disabilities. Yeah, so I made that a point that I wanted to not make central to my laureateship, but I certainly wanted during my laureateship to do something with visually impaired children. Mm. And so there were two experiences that, that I remember in particular. Uh, one was, uh, yes, yeah, so, so another, another kind of plank of that platform, oh, oh, terrible metaphor. Anyway, another thing that I wanted to do with my laureateship was to bring Ireland into the international sphere. And so I did quite a lot of traveling yeah. and I did an exchange with uh, a Viennese writer. So I went to Vienna for uh, about a week and you came with me, uh, Nessa. And as part of that, I specifically said I would like to meet children with visual impairments. And there were quite a few schools actually in Vienna that had yeah. children with that specialise yeah. in, in this. So I had a very um, moving experience in one of those schools uh, with the children with visual impairments and I found it very, I, I remember it, you know, it's, it's, it's close to my heart, that experience. Yeah. And then I also um, did a residency, a, writing, a creative writing residency with children in the school for visually impaired children in Drumcondra mm -hmm. here in Dublin. And that was quite something that was very uh, enjoyable yeah. and actually quite surprising um, because the story, the story the children wanted to write. Now, the children had different kinds of some children were visually impaired and some were completely blind mm. And, mm. and some children had other um, disabilities mm -hmm. as well. So they were quite a mixed group. Um, but one of the things I remember about the story that they wanted to write was that it was full of colour. And this was so... It was surprising and also very uplifting yeah. that blind children wanted to write about colour. Now, yeah. they weren't all blind. Some, yeah. some of them would have had some experience of colour. But the story was about something about a purple puppy. Yeah. And it was, f it was just full of descriptions of colour. I yeah. remember it was very, um, it was very touching. So yeah. no limitations to imagination. No, exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and you've done a lot of work in schools. I know you were writing about this in the Irish Times recently, about, about the specifically the Poetry Ireland Writer in School scheme, which yeah. is 40 years old. Yeah. Um, you clearly enjoy it. Yes, I do. And the, there's, there's two separate strands to the Writers in School scheme. One is where writers go in, they do kind of like a one-off visit. And that's the main activity in the Writers in School scheme, as far as I'm aware. And I've, been, I've done that for years and years. Yeah. Um, but there's also a s kind of a lesser known and, um, strand to that, which is like little writing residencies 
over six, eight, mm. ten weeks, mm. and that's creative writing. Mm -hmm. So the the, 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 the one-stop school visits are more where you go in as a writer and talk to the children about yeah. what it's like to be a writer. Yeah. Whereas this is much more about going in and working with them, and in a way, and very often the children don't even realise that you're yeah. a writer. You're just somebody who's facilitating this creative writing thing for them, and I really like that about about the um, the writing res in the residency. You, you don't have to be the, the residency as opposed to the <coughs> the once-off visit because you don't have to be a persona. Yeah, you just have to be somebody somebody who's who there. can enable and facilitate. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I find that really satisfying. Yeah, um, I've 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 heard you talk about the role that creative writing can play in schools and that you resist the notion that it's just another part of the curriculum. Absolutely, I agree. Um, of course, it's great that children get the opportunity to write in school, but I do think that the um, the value of somebody coming in from the outside and working with the children, even though it's in school hours, um, is that it's something se separate and something special, mm. um, and it's not just about uh, part of be being part of your English learning experience, that it's something that goes beyond that, mm -hmm. that it's to do with feeding your imagination. Mm -hmm. And so that really appeals to me about the, um, the writers in schools mm -hmm. uh, residencies as well, that you, know, you can get the children in a completely different space uh, from where they normally are. And sometimes you have to work at that a little yeah. bit. Sometimes when you go in, I mean, I've had this experience a few, a few occasions where you ask the children, what's the most important thing? What do you need yeah. to write a story? What's the most important thing to put in the story? And I have on more than one occasion got the answer, full stops and capital letters. Okay. So that is yeah. important, yeah, but it, it comes is, yeah. much later. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. It comes at proofreading stage yeah. and it's not what creative writing is about. So yeah. you have to sometimes, you know, um, break that down a little bit yeah. and say, well, actually, there's other things that, it, that those things come later, but there are other things yeah. that you might want to put in the story apart from full stops and capital letters. Now, you can frequently have a lot of hats to wear and you go into the classroom yeah. But you're a children's publisher as well as a children's writer now. Yeah. So are they maybe sometimes sort of suggesting they want a story about such and such that nobody has written? Or are they giving you ideas of the types of books that actually should be out there now? I can't put my finger on any particular um, instance in which that occurred. But I did actually write a story with a group of children a year or two ago. And we published it at Little mm -hmm. Island. Um, but that was my own idea. It yeah. didn't come from them. Yeah. Um, I mean, the pub publication was my own idea. We have a series called The Nightmare Club, which are um, spooky stories for children. And I said to the children, I showed them the, the, the stories, and I said, if you can write one that's good enough, I might think about publishing it. Of course, well, that was a great, <laughs> great incentive. incentive absolutely. Yeah, and it's not a thing that you, uh, you would normally do, and I'm not planning to do it again. But it was really great fun, and yeah. of course they were so thrilled when the book yeah. came out, and all their names were uh, on the inside. But so they're incredibly articulate again, just from from the experience of going into classrooms with you and and hearing questions. Like hmm. they're very well read. Uh, audiences like you know way more than some of the adult audiences that you might go to in uh, yeah, book festivals and that sort of thing they've read yeah. a lot they know what yeah, they like they know what they like that's for sure you know yeah, yeah. Um, and they can talk about it they very can. well yeah, so yeah. so you know they're no pushover no uh, oh on the contrary uh, the, the <laughs> children know what they like but they also know what they don't like so I think if you try to pull the wool over their eyes or try to you know um, yeah uh, they can spot yeah, a phony can, exactly yeah. yeah, yeah, and if they don't like it, they'll just tell you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're terrifying, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you're very brave. You're very, very brave. So, so how, given that you do have, you know, you're a publisher, you're a writer, 
your your uh, facilitator workshops. Like, what is the challenge of just keeping everything going? And how you know you have a new idea for a book brewing? How do you make that time? You're you're by the way recently a grandmother as well, and That's congratulations right, yeah. Thank you. Uh, to yourself and Roger on the arrival of the new baby. That so is, that is a very exciting thing. Yeah. But probably maybe, maybe I start writing for smallies again. Yeah. Even less time possibly yeah. now to to well, write things. I haven't got quite got as far as babysitting yet. <laughs> um, yeah, time is a problem. It is. But on the other hand, all those activities, all those hats, as you say, um, they are all just different aspects of the same kind of thing. So publishing and writing and editing and working with authors on their work and uh, writing with children and mm. talking to children about books, they're all, they're all of a piece. They, they feed, feed into each, each other. other. They yeah. feed each other. They nourish each other, all these things. So time is problematic, but in a way, there isn't a competition mm -hmm. between the, the different activities. Mm -hmm. And people ask me, um, how do you divide your time or how do you um, fit in your writing? And really, I just have to fit it in where I can. Mm. That's, that's the way it is at the moment. Mm. Now, mm. presumably, there'll come a point when I'll withdraw a bit from, from the publishing. Um, I've heard about this idea that other people have, um, which is, it's called retirement. Oh, wow. Yeah, so um, I'll have to investigate that <laughs> as a possibility. I think people have future. to have pensions in yeah. order to do that, though. I think yeah. that's a bit so, of a problem. Yeah, so um, maybe um, over over time, yeah. I will have a little more, a little more um, headspace uh -huh. uh, for the writing. I'm currently working on a book for, I think it's actually for adults. Um, and it's about uh, Grace O'Malley. Oh, on very good. Pirate and Queen. Yes, and it's in Irish, which is very um, challenging. My Irish is... Um, well, it's good. I've heard you talk. Yeah, my Irish is not bad, but... And it's easier to write, of course, yeah. than it is to speak, yeah. because you have time to mull it over. Yeah. But every sentence I have to really think about. And in a way, that's very um, exciting yeah because when you're writing in English and it's, it, it comes fluently and fluidly you you just kind of you know you kind of dawdle along yeah and you are when you're writing in, in a language that is uh, one you have to work more at yeah you are having to examine every sentence and think about every sentence and I find that it's it's slow yeah but it's very very satisfying really interesting and of course I'm spending more time yeah. on the internet looking up the words and finding out about their etymologies and their tishul and all Fantastic. the rest of it um, than I am actually on the book but that's it's all part of the process so that's really I'm, I'm, I'm loving doing that. It's have you been over to Clare Abbey where she's supposed to be buried? On Clare, Clare Island? Clare Island yes yeah. I have. Yeah. Amazing yeah. place. Yeah, Absolutely. Oh yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately the, the um, there are sort of murals or frescoes yes. on the walls, and I, I'm not able to see them yeah. because they're, they're very yeah. faded. Yeah. So people have to describe them to yeah, me. Yeah, no. Yeah. It, 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 I was there last last year. And yeah, and they seem to be secular. Um, yeah, it's all hunting scenes yeah. and, and you know deer and hearts, and, and then you have this picture window looking straight out at the Grove yeah. Patrick and yeah. oh, it's anyway. Yeah. Another time, another yeah. another episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, so your latest book that came out just before Christmas, uh, Rocking the System. Mm -hmm. Very on trend, <laughs> trend. <laughs> but very, um, very a, a new departure for me. Yeah, uh, uh, nonfiction. How did it happen? How did it happen? Um, well, my colleague in Little Island, Gronia, um, and I had been in America, and we were uh, poking around the bookshops, and she was reading bits of things to me, 
um, as happens when I go into bookshops with other people. And um, we had noticed lots of books about women um, who had done amazing things. And we had also noticed this at Bologna, the children's mm. uh, book fair, and they were very exciting and it was uh, very exciting books to look at and to think about. And we kept saying to each other, we really should do one of these. We should do one of these about Irish women. And we kept sort of saying it in like kind of, yeah, maybe we'll do it someday. And then we were thinking about the centenary coming up of the um, Boats Woman. And we said, if we're going to do this book, we're going to do it now. Mm -hmm. So it was a bit of a, a mad scramble actually to get, it, to, get it, to get it together. And so what we did was um, we got a group of people together, friends of Little Islands, and we said, let's do this as a joint project. Um, because we didn't have, you know, we, I couldn't have taken it on yeah, myself. Yeah, solely, yeah. Yeah, on my own in the time. Yeah. Um, so there were several people involved and some of them wrote, wrote well when I say wrote up, they, they, they did the research yeah. uh, on maybe one woman, some of them yeah. did two and in some really stalwart cases they did three. Wow. Because three. it's a really wide historic sweep. It starts yeah. with Queen Maeve That's and it right. finishes with Sonia O'Sullivan. Yeah. So yeah, so everybody did a bit and then it was all, they were all fed into me and then I wrote them up in, yeah. my, in, my, in my own voice. I think, although I think you can probably hear other people's voices breaking through here and there. So it's um, the research was done by other people, and yeah. uh, or I did some of it myself as, as well. But we and then we did it. Um, I, I then kind of wrote up uh, the pieces that, that, that they fit into yeah. me. So it was a very unusual um, experience, yeah. and I. But I knew that it was going to be um, satisfying and exciting to do because of having the experience of working collaboratively with children over so many years. I trusted the collaborative experience. I knew. That and, I, and I'd never have thought that before. Yeah. Before I'd had that experience in the schools and working with children, writing together. Yeah. On, on a, that's that's the method I use yeah. in schools is to write and to get the whole group of children working on a single story. Yeah. And I know that works. And I know how exciting that is. And I know how um, productive it can be. Yeah. So I was a, I knew that I could apply that also um, in this situation. Yeah. So yeah, that was quite something. So um, do you think because there have been there's been a lot of discussion in the media and elsewhere at the moment about, you know, gender equality, mm -hmm. equal representation mm. in literature, in theatre, you know, yeah, th yeah, is that what's your take on that? Is it a battle that's still needing to be fought? Oh, it surely is. I mean, we thought when the field day thing happened way back in the 90s that this was now, you know, this couldn't happen again. Yeah. But you know something? It does. It happened again yeah. and it happened again. Yeah. So, yes, uh, women's um, contribution uh, to literature and also in other parts of public yeah. life, of li of life um, tends to be overlooked. Yeah. Um, and that's th I think that's going to take a long time. The culture needs to change. Yes. You can't just, you can be begin the process by changing legislation. You can be begin the process by making people aware that this has to be mm. um, taken into consideration. But it's a cultural change. Mm. And it's going to take, I think it's going to take quite a while to, to root out that very deep seated misogyny. And it is, let's face it, that's what it is. It's, do you notice misogyny? changes in the classroom though? Because I mean, you know, the culture, I guess, starts forming at that stage, do, do you see little girls more interested in, you know, Buzz Lightyear and, and books about boys things or, uh, or you girls know? have always been more tolerant of books, of things to do that, that, that boys do that are identified as boy things. That's not it's never been a problem. Yeah. Um, it's I think it's more that boys tend to um, grow up thinking that they are somehow 
uh, above all that. Yeah. Uh, sorry, above things that are that are of interest to girls. Yeah. Um, I still do see in the classroom that the boys are more inclined to be uh, vocal mm. than the girls, mm. and one does one's best to um, to sort of get in under that and uh, draw the girls into the conversation. Yeah. But girls, I do find that girls, are a lot of girls. Um, especially coming up to around, you know, coming up to puberty, sure, yeah. they start to become very self-conscious. Yes, yeah. and they, you know, they're, they're quiet. Not all of them. Yeah, but yeah, that that's that's a, a change that's going to be very slow. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. But your your next project that you've been talking about, your your Grace O'Malley thing, is it's a great female role model. Um, well. Um, I don't know now about a role model. Of, she was a pirate <laughs> after all, um, and she was quite violent. Um, but it is, after all, a novel. So yeah. it's not, you know, it's not really meant to have uh, an educational or uh, role model. Um, and she's your yeah. version of Grace O'Malley. Yes, so oh very much so. Yeah, yeah. Well, my take on, yeah. yeah. It, see, it's so long ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you, you just have to make up an awful lot of the stuff because it's. Of course, there's there's been that really very uh, useful and uh, helpful biography uh, by Anne Chambers, which is uh, everybody's uh, basic uh, source mm -hmm. uh, for books about uh, Grace O'Malley. But when you're writing a novel, you have to bring in all kinds of uh, you have to make up other characters. You have to have her having having conversations. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a very different kind of project. And do you think she's she does resonate for our times in a way for some reason? I hope so. Um, we'll see how it goes. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. It's been a, a, an absolute joy. Um, and well, thank you, Nessa. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled. delighted to be here. No, we're absolutely thrilled. And once again, um, thank you, viewers, uh, for watching the Attic Sessions. Um, always a great opportunity to, to have writers that we really admire and love in the Attic talking about what they do best. Um, next month, we'll come back with something entirely different. Not sure what, but you'll know about it when we do. So thank you very much. Yes, I know that I'm just a dreamer. I dream because it's the closest I'll ever get to.